Well, here we are, once again. The Pharisees are plotting to entrap Jesus. So last week, Brandon preached on the passage, which comes earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, where the Pharisees asked Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Jesus replies, give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. The passage concluded with these words, when they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Now there's an intervening passage between last week and this Sunday's Gospel, and here in this passage, the Sadducees take their turn at trying to entrap Jesus. The Sadducees were a priestly sect that did not believe in the resurrection. And they propose a scenario to Jesus. What if there are seven brothers, each dies childless, each leaves his widow to the next brother? In the resurrection of the seven brothers, whose wife will she be? And Jesus tells them that not only do, do they not understand scripture, they don't understand the power of God. And I'm going to leave the interpretation of this passage for another time, but just know that when Jesus tells the Sadducees God is not God of the dead, but of the living, the Sadducees are astounded. And now today, we hear the verses following the seven brothers' story. Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, and so now the Pharisees are trying again. Jesus stumps them with a line of questioning about the Messiah being both the son of David and the one that David calls Lord. The Messiah is both in the line of David and transcends his lineage. The passage concludes no one was able to give him an answer, and nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. So first, last week, the Pharisees were amazed, and then the Sadducees were astounded, and now the Pharisees are speechless and done asking questions. Jesus has made his point. He is saying, listen to me. I am speaking with ultimate knowledge and authority. I am offering you good news. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a new message for Jesus' antagonists nor for his followers. The Old Testament lesson this morning from Leviticus ends with these words, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. God's loving message is as old as time. We are not fully loving God if we are not loving what God loves. God wants us to know that the path forward to healing this broken world is loving our neighbor as ourself. We can be overwhelmed by the divisiveness in Washington, the lack of moral character, the thirst for power that voids all desire to collaborate on decision-making. And we can be overwhelmed by the wars in the Holy Land and Ukraine, the animosity, the depravity. Yet we need to remind ourselves that living in the light of Christ has always been countercultural. 
The arc of the moral universe is long. And just as Paul encouraged the Thessalonians to remain faithful, we encourage one another to live as we are meant to live, cultivating the kingdom of God, trusting that when we love our neighbors as ourselves, the seeds will grow, however long it might take to come to fruition. I am serving on the board of trustees for Bexley Seabury Seminary, and I was at a board meeting a couple of weeks ago. Bishop Doug Sparks, the Bishop of the Diocese of Northern Indiana, who is the president of the board right now, he told a story from his childhood. He is a twin, and when he and his sister were four years old, their father was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and was placed in an institution where he lived for the next 10 years until his death. Doug and his sister attended a Catholic school, and he remembers the sadness and even the trauma of being teased about not having a dad. Of course, his dad couldn't show up at any of those parent-child events at school. And one day, when Doug and his sister were in the third grade, the priest came into the classroom and announced that he was taking Doug and his sister to see their father. And Bishop Sparks talks about how amazing that moment was for him, the moment the priest named his dad in front of the whole classroom. He made his dad known. That's how we love, as Christ loves us. We uphold the dignity of every human being. And even more broadly, putting ourselves in the other person's shoes, always remembering that a person's life experiences is the context for their beliefs and actions today. Loving our neighbor as ourself is not always easy. We have different personalities, different perspectives, at times strikingly different points of view. We come together in this faith community to support one another. We come together for forgiveness, renewal, refreshment, and inspiration to live our everyday lives in the light of Christ. Well, I do need to shake my head just a bit. That after nine months of raising money to support the Walking in Love Capital campaign, and just one week after a wonderful celebration of a successful campaign, I now have the privilege of kicking off the annual campaign. <laughs> So just as a reminder, a capital campaign focuses on the longer, term, the longer term needs of the church. With the proceeds of the Walking in Love campaign, we will be able to address major infrastructure needs that come around once every 20 or 50 or maybe even every 100 years. And in addition, we will grow the church's endowment funds to ensure the long-term health of the parish by generating investment income 
that will sustain the ministry of the parishes for generations to come. And though annually we do receive investment income from the endowment, and we have a few other sources of other income, 70% of our annual budget comes from our annual pledges. Our pledges ensure that worship, music, pastoral care, education, outreach, and fellowship will continue to thrive throughout the coming year. This is a pivotal year for us at St. Paul's because we are losing two of our largest pledges due to life transitions. And those two pledges amount to more than 10% of total pledges. So I ask that you prayerfully consider your annual pledge this year to help us cover our annual operating needs. All ministries and programs, clergy and staff salaries, outreach to our community and the wider world, facility maintenance and utilities, and diocesan and wider church support. We come here seeking God, desiring to understand how to live our lives with God, how to live as we are meant to live, loving our neighbor as ourselves living in gratitude for God's love in our lives, we give support to the ministries which nourish us individually and as a community. As always, I am so grateful for your gifts of time, talent, and treasure, and so grateful to be on this journey with you. Amen. <laughs>